Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father David Pelican, and your other host, Father Craig Guerra, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome, listeners, to episode 11. Is it 11, Father Craig? 11. Wow. Episode I can't, 11. I didn't know I can count that high. That's great. It's been, <laughs> it means it's been almost a year we've been doing this. I know. It's awesome. Well, episode 11 of Men of the Hearts. Uh, Father Craig, I really enjoyed last month's episode with Father John Ricardo. He's such a such a dynamic presence, a great speaker. I know we both said we, we borrow or steal content from him. No, I times. straight up steal. Oh. I straight up steal. I don't know. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, that every was, now, uh, every yeah. now and then while I'm preaching, I might say a priest friend of mine used to say, and I would, <laughs> then I would just take his whole homily. <laughs> give him give him a little credit there. Some, somewhat. Yeah. Plagiarism he, rules luckily don't apply to homilies. Huh? Yeah. Right. You don't need footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, I really, I really enjoyed that last episode. This episode, um, we don't have a guest but we're doing a little bit more of a deep dive into a subject that's uh, very near and dear to any priest's heart, and that is offering Mass, celebrating Mass. It's one of the things that only priests can do and really kind of defines who we are as priests. But before we do that, Father Craig, how are you this fine day? I'm doing awesome. I mean, things are great. The sun is gone outside. It is. is. Blessings around, blessings around. Amen. Amen. And since we've uh, since we've recorded last, we celebrated uh, Christmas as well. So that's been been quite a blessing. Uh, Father Craig, do you have a particular blessing you want to share uh, since last time we we were here together? Yeah, my blessing was that I had COVID for the past month. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a, a well disguised blessing, maybe. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a blessing to get sick. Of course, no, no. one wants to be sick, and we know how uh, it could really. You know, some people, they don't feel it at all. And some people can lose their life over it. So we don't mm-hmm. take that lightly. And we're praying for everyone who actually uh, has to go through that and and, and are sick. Um, I just say it was a blessing in that it, it really, the Lord made it a blessing in that he taught me to kind of slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're always doing something. And when you're stuck in one room, uh, you start to realize, you know, how how quickly you're living life, how fast things are going, and and yes. to really slow down. Um, I don't know. It was, it was a blessing just to be with the Lord in the moment and in the presence, and you know, being a little bit sick too. You know, I mean, we can of course do work through Zoom and and mm-hmm. emails and things like that, but being a little bit sick, you can give yourself a little bit more uh, leeway and say, well, I'm not going to do anything for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. And and mm-hmm. I did that. And when you're sick, you don't feel like doing anything anyways. I mean, right. it's not like I wanted to read a book or or whatever, but um, I started watching a really old TV show <laughs> oh, yeah? from, from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, if anybody remembers Family Ties with uh, Michael J. Fox as Alex Ooh. P. Keaton. Um, a little before my time father yeah it's 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 different (laughs) and if you if you've watched that show you know it was a good show back in the 80s and at the end if everybody remembers the dog the little black dog with the frisbee in its mouth and it would go Mm. sit ubu sit good dog and you knew the show was over with afterwards (laughs) (laughs) i watched about maybe eight hours of that one day i just kept watching episode after episode but the the idea of slowing down and and um to allow yourself to do something like that. And then um, 
I don't know, my rhythm just kind of slowed down a little bit and it's easier to get to get closer to the Lord in that. So I think that was the blessing, of course. That's, Sickness is not a not a blessing, but um to slow down yeah. and to be present with the Lord is a great thing. It, it is, it is. And uh and that's uh that's something uh something I probably need to hear coming off of Advent and Christmas and the new year. Uh it's been as a priest, you you get going pretty uh pretty high speed through the holidays. And so uh yeah, I think I think a blessing for me though, uh was was Christmas with my family actually. Um I mean it was it was great being it's great being a priest during Christmas. Uh this was my second Christmas, so I felt like I kind of knew what to expect a little more. Um but but a real blessing for me was uh our our family gathering. We ended up doing it uh the day after New Year's because as you know we got a big family. Uh, I've got mm-hmm. seven sisters and they're all starting to like get married or another one got engaged uh actually over Christmas. Oh congratulations. And, uh, yeah thank you. Thank you. But uh, it just means uh, everybody's going in different directions over the holidays. Again, me, I've got masses here. So we postponed our our like family gift exchange till then. And I just, I was sitting on the couch, you know, uh, looking around at the family. And it, it, uh, it struck me that uh, the, the scales have been even in the ratio of guys to girls at our family <laughs> Christmases now. It used to be, I mean, when we gathered as, as immediate family, it was, it was dad and I, you know, now there's uh, two brother-in-laws, there's a fiance and a boyfriend there. So, uh, so it's kind of funny to look, we, we had a big old Euchre tournament, um, which I, um, I won the distinguished title of biggest loser at, so I did not oh, do great. so well this year, uh, but it was, it was good fun. And, uh, yeah, uh, just just a blessing to have that time with family, and I think a blessing to do it not right in the holidays, but a little after it was a little more uh, a low key relaxing uh, and just spending time with family. So. Yeah, that's great. I used to be a part of euchre tournaments and different things. My brother used to put them on, and one year I was going to come in first place. It was the last, ta- you know, you'd switch tables and be with different oh, yeah. partners. And I had a go alone hand, like just lay down and I would have came in first place. And my partner had a little bit too much to drink and she, (laughs) she ordered me up on it. So I only got one point instead of getting four points. And I came in third place instead of first place. I was so angry, but it is what it is. (laughs) Rough. Yeah. Rough. Well, at least you weren't, at least you weren't the loser, the ultimate loser. Yeah. I still, I got, I got my money back from that. (laughs) Did uh, you go to Costco this uh, this month? Of course. Um, yes, I did make it to Costco. I, as you know, I love Costco. But uh, but I have to say, I was very impressed by a different store that I happened upon uh, as well this, this month. We were taking some food over to a family, and we stopped by... Uh, a holiday market to get the food. It was, it was, it was a, I'd never been to holiday market before. What's it like? Before. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's very nice. They have a, a nice selection of food. Uh, a lot of like, sort of, you got the impression of very fresh food, you know, um, and, and often like ready-made food, but like good quality ready-made mm. food available as well as kind of your, your, I don't know, ordinary, like supermarket type, type stuff. But, but I just, I just really like the atmosphere, very friendly, helpful employees. I went with father Bob, our pastor, we went together and uh, it's always an adventure when you're with father Bob. Uh, so we had lots of conversations with, uh, <laughs> with the employees and such, uh, but it was just, it was a nice store. I'd, I'd never been there before. So 
little sounds competition like a, to Costco, I think. Yeah, too. it sounds like a place I used to go to when I was pastor over at St. Ephraim. There was a place down the road oh, yeah. called Randazzo's. Randazzo's. And I rem- yeah, I remember the name because there's a heating and cooling company uh, called Randazzo's. So every time uh-huh. I would go to the store, I would sing the song, Randazzo's, Randazzo's. <laughs> sure, sure. So it was an ongoing but, uh, but joke. But that's, that's not the grocery store song. No, no, no. no people would look at me funny <laughs> when I would sing it. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. But it just stuck with me. But yeah, again, prepared foods and, and kind of, you know, nice things you can get and everything like that. So there um, it's probably the same chain, but there's a Randazzo's um, out near Livonia that sells. They sell like a lot of fresh fruit, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when, when we were little, we would go to the dentist every year. In, in Livonia, Stephen Florkowski, he was a great dentist. Um, and uh, the incentive, if we were good at the dentist's office, was we got to go to Randazzo's and pick out one of anything uh, that we, uh, you know, a- any fruit of choice, which was always exciting because you could get some really bizarre stuff there. I remember we got star fruit once. Uh, so yes, Randazzo's, it's a, it's a good good story. Yeah, you're definitely homeschooled. You could go and get any fruit you want. <laughs> Guilty as charged. It wasn't like you can't go get a Coke or a Pepsi or an ice cream. It was like, get any fruit yes. you want. Well, my mom's also, she's a doctor. So, you know, the, the whole being healthy thing is important yeah. to her. Though, you know? Well, but you grew up on a farm. You could have grew, grown your own trees. Well, that's true. Actually, um, my dad, um, his favorite type of tomatoes are Bonnie Best tomatoes. And he, he got them originally, the plants from Randazzo's. And it's kept the seeds ever since, you know, from year to year. So that's cool. There you go. Good. Well, we're not here as fascinating as it is to talk about Randazzo's. Although I could go on and on about uh, memories that I have of going there with my sisters and my parents. Um, We're here to talk about the mass. Yes. And just to kick us off, Father Craig, uh, if you had to define the mass or just give like a quick summary of what it is, what, what, uh, what would, what were some, what would be some words that you throw out there? Prayer, prayer, adoration, mm-hmm. praise. Yes, life, Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Those so I um, answers. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's, uh, it's it's hard to give a wrong answer to that question. Um, those are those are good words. I um, reason I ask is because I've a divine child get to preach to the kids a lot. Right. And especially on, on Wednesdays, I get to preach always to the, the third and fourth graders because it's the, the other priests day off. And one of the things that we've really talked a lot about this year is the mass. It's partly inspired by um, you've, you've heard the Pew Research study that like only 30 percent of Catholics who responded actually believed that the Eucharist is the real presence of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, that's kind of like it makes makes me think as a priest, like, are we not doing our job in teaching this? Um, anyway, so we've talked a lot about the Mass and the Eucharist, and I'm very proud of of the uh, the third and fourth graders, because if I ask them what the Mass is, they know I'm looking for two words, and the first is, as you said right off the bat, prayer. The second is sacrifice, right? that it's, it's the offering of Jesus on the cross. And if I ask them what prayer is, um, they'll say, um, it's listening to Jesus and responding. You know, it's not just talking, right? There's the listening part too, which we do at the beginning of Mass in His Word. Um, and, and sacrifice, they know, is, is an offering, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a giving up of something precious. And, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. Also, uh, if I ask them to, what love is, 
uh, they don't even raise their hands. They all just point to the big crucifix behind me. So That's awesome. It's kind of, kind of, kind of um, beautiful to see how, you know, kids that young can understand profound things in a very like childlike and simple way. Yeah. Been, yeah. I have a very interesting um, experience with, with the crucifix. You know, there's, um, I don't remember the name of the religious sisters that make uh, the crucifix that you have the same one that I do. Um, mm-hmm. Who are the sisters that make it? Um, they're, I think they're Opus Sanctorum Angelorum sisters. It's okay. Latin for work of the holy angels. Yeah, they make beautiful uh, yeah. crucifixes. I just know that. And I bought a, plenty of them when I was over at St. Yeah. Ephraim. And we put one in the activity center. And uh, one time we had a kind of an all saints party where the kids could dress up and different things like that. And sometimes we get a lot of guests. They would be family mm-hmm. of family members and different things like that. And I just remember there was this like young kid and he was just staring at the crucifix. I mean, there was all this Halloween stuff around, but he was... Yeah like intrigued by the crucifix and just wondering about it. And you could tell that, you know, he wanted to ask questions. And I, I, you know, I just asked him like, you know, that's interesting. That's Jesus. And he just was enthralled, enthralled with, with the Lord there on the cross and this beautiful thing that we look at. Um, and, and that's something very unique to Catholicism is to have Jesus on the cross. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's the image of what we're celebrating when we're at Holy yes. Mass, right? We're going yeah. to that representation, not a representation, the representation mm-hmm. of Jesus offering himself on the cross. Uh, and that's why, you know, the church asks us that we need to have a crucifix around the altar so that we can yes. recognize what, what's happening at that moment at, at Mass. So just, it, yeah. it's funny when you bring up the crucifix, I mean, it's such an integral part of our faith and a part of the mass as well and and yes. why who's the first person that's always walking in in a procession right it's the crucifer right he's mm-hmm. carrying the cross mm-hmm. as we're walking in mm-hmm. and walking out of mass so i just wanted to bring that up there for a minute <laughs> yeah no that's uh that's true and i think i think sometimes as catholics we can almost get get used to it right because we have it in all of our rooms it's everywhere it just it almost becomes commonplace but uh but it i mean it's when you think about it, none of us would be here if that didn't happen, right? Christianity wouldn't exist. Um, it's like, it's, it makes all the difference in the world, right? The cross, which leads to the resurrection and, uh, and the mass is how we, we gain access to that. Now, here and now, 2000 years later, we gain access to what Jesus did on, on a grand scale there. It's kind of like made personal to us. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's beautiful. You know, what's really interesting too is is next time you know you go take a look at your crucifix or wherever you're mm-hmm. at, take a look at the crucifix. You can tell if it's made wrong or not. How can you tell if it's made wrong made or not? Wrong. Yeah I, yeah. I didn't know there was this, this this must be an artist. So so when Jesus died, right? Mm-hmm. Then then the centurion pierced Jesus's heart with with the uh spear, right? Uh-huh. You can see sometimes crucifixes with Jesus with you know the spear mark in his side but he's still clearly alive on the cross oh, so it's kind of a, wow. a wrong interpretation of of the artist not recognizing that if jesus I, is alive on the cross still he shouldn't have I the pure side thought about that yeah you're right no there's i because i actually kind of like the crucifixes where jesus is still like maybe like alive like looking up to the father or looking mm-hmm. out at us uh but Every crucifix, now that I'm thinking of it, they, they always have the, the side wound, right? 
Huh. I mean, and that could be, of course, the symbolism of, you know, the five marks of sure. Christ and everything sure, like sure, that. Sure. So artist interpretation. But if you're getting literal there, next time look at a crucifix and see if Jesus is alive on it or not. Huh. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> only an artist would notice that. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> have you ever uh, have you ever done any art surrounding crosses or crucifixes? I did, actually. Uh, a number of... Um, I think when I grew in my faith and I, I kind of had a reversion back to my faith um, before I was doing a lot of art that was a little bit more shock art, you know, obnoxious type mm -hmm, things. Mm -hmm. It would be like, you know, like drawing the world and putting a screw through it and stuff like that. Hence, mm -hmm. what did that mean? You know, and then mm -hmm. when I came back to the Lord, um, it was as if the only thing that I could do would be things that were representative of, of Jesus Christ. So I did wow. a number of different crucifixes. One, I, I did one out of plexiglass where it would light up and it would look like veins going through the plexiglass, but then I had oh, a wow. human heart attached to it uh, made out of bronze. Um, one I casted, it was really interesting. My father um, with um, plasterized gauze, what they would use, you know, for, you know, breaking your leg or your arm or something like that mm. so you'd have to like slather mm -hmm. them with vaseline and then put this on put the back on and put the front on yep. and then do yep. his whole head and i made a mm. life-size crucifix out of my father it was it's kind of cool when you think of the father wow. yeah 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 so yeah yeah definitely that's wild yeah huh. the mass the sacrifice the cross it's all all there Oh, there. Brother Craig, should we run through a quick uh, breakdown of just the structure of the Mass? Uh, big picture, uh, what it looks like. I'm sure our listeners are familiar with it. They've been there a million yeah. times. Sometimes it's helpful to just remember, like, uh, oh, yeah, here's here's the parts, and here's the, the flow of it. You know, I always mention this to the kids when I go talk to the kids, and, and we don't, another thing I think we take for granted, because we do it all the time, like when we see the crucifix all the time, but when we mm -hmm. make the sign of the cross, right? Yeah, I mean, make the sign of the cross with reverence and with beauty because it's the image of of what we were assigned to. And when we went uh, in our baptism, that we're we're dying yeah. with Christ and rising with Christ through the baptism. We put off the old person and put on the new person. So, right, mass starts with in the name of the Father and of the Son and of yes. the Holy Spirit. And yeah. I think it's Saint John Vianney that talks about that. Um, a beautiful sign of the cross is just with reverence is one of the most beautiful prayers that we can make, you know? So we do start off with, with, with that. Of course, there's an opening hymn as we're walking down um, the, the church there. Um, but another thing I think we take for granted is immediately when we start out, not only is there the introduction, kind of like the Lord be with you and with your spirit, but what's mm -hmm. one of the first things we do is we admit our sins, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have mercy christ have mercy lord have mercy or if we you know say the the whole trope of 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 the different ones we can say um we're admitting that we failed and that as we're going to come to worship you lord that we lay uh that at the foot of your cross and that through your grace and through your mercy you'll forgive us our sins so that we can come to this this meal that we're going to receive, you know, the sacrifice of the mass. So there are the two major parts of the mass, right? There's the liturgy of the word and liturgy of the Eucharist. Now the Lord is yes. present in both, right? Both mm -hmm. in a different mm -hmm. way. So we know that the Lord is the word, you know, when we yes. read the gospel of John in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have this beautiful mm -hmm. image of Jesus as the word, 
And so we read an Old Testament reading, we read a New Testament reading, we sing a psalm or recite a psalm, and then we read a gospel. And it's very beautiful to, to really recognize and to listen and to pay attention to these words that are being proclaimed to us. It's not that's just we're at like some Bible study. These things are being proclaimed so that they can be implanted into our minds, but also into our hearts. And we listen, right? Because sometimes it's, it's better to hear because you remember it not only gets into your head, but it gets into your heart. Sort of like the commercial, yes. right? Like I know Randazzo's because I know of the little jingle. Yeah, right? it's but stuck. I, it's yeah, stuck, it's stuck But yeah. when I hear the word of God, yeah. it's stuck. And how it many starts to times, form your mind. Yeah. yeah, I'll be walking around or cleaning my room or something like that. And words of scripture will come to me. Yeah, You know, especially the Psalms, because we pray those in the divine office all the time as a priest. Yeah. We right. really want to be people who are so immersed in the word of God, that it's be, it becomes the lens in which we view the world so that when I look at anything, that I can see it through almost a Bible verse or through yeah. a psalm, you know, like I mean, a, a biblical worldview they talk about sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. But yeah. It's whatever we're listening to the most or whatever we're putting inside of us is how we're going to view yeah. the world. It forms right? us, right? Yeah, yeah, it forms us. So we okay. want the word to truly form us. And this is why it's so important to be listening to the words of, of God at the mass. It's there to inform us and to shape us and to become uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. And, you know, uh, I'm just thinking as you're, as you're talking about, you know, the word and the word is Jesus, a uh, beautiful quote from St. Augustine. He says, uh, he's talking about the, uh, the Annunciation, and he says, Mary conceived the word in her soul before she conceived him in her womb. You know, and, and I think that's kind of the image of what happens during the liturgy of the word is right. We're, we're supposed to take this in. It's supposed to like take root in our souls, in our lives and, and start to change us. Right. And I yeah. think uh, we can we can sometimes be like uh, those different types of soil uh, as we're listening. Right. And sometimes we're the hard packed path where it's like we're not even like listening and it just the seeds the, the seeds of the word are just bouncing right off of us you know other times you know it'll it'll take root but other things will crowd it out you know but we want to be that fertile soil where we can we can really take in the word it takes root in our lives and then it can grow and produce fruit yeah i don't remember the statistic but do you do you know if we go through the three-year cycle how much of the bible we actually read as catholics Oh, it's 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 not as high as you would think it is. I no, don't it's know like thirty percent, isn't it, or like forty percent, something like that. It yeah, might so be a little higher if you go every day to daily mass as well. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, it gets um, if you pray like the liturgy, the hours along with mass, you get up to like seventy five or something like that. Again, don't quote us on the numbers. But yeah, it's, it's surprisingly <laughs> low how much of the Bible you actually take in if you're just going, certainly just to Sunday Mass. Yeah, well, it struck me the other day is like, if we're not reading the passages around the passages that we're hearing at church mm -hmm. being proclaimed to us, we miss a lot of things. Like I was thinking about the other day, um, how Jesus came and healed um, the mother-in-law of Peter, right? And, and mm -hmm. a lot of people think, you know, he just wanted a meal or whatever, you know, I'm taking it at face value or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But if you read the passage before what was happening, he was in the synagogue. He was proclaiming who mm. he was. Mm -hmm. It was the Sabbath. It was the day of rest. He, That's right. he kicked out a demon for, for speaking. You know, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And he commanded and the people were amazed that his words had power and authority. But what happened? 
no one talked to him, right? The next hmm. passage we get is he goes to Simon's uh, mother. They go to the house. He heals the mother-in-law immediately, immediately, mm -hmm. meaning that he goes and on the Sabbath, he heals her. So it's almost as if they're breaking the law, right? But he's proclaiming, yeah. I right. am the Sabbath. I am the That's one right. who That's brings right. you true peace and true rest, yeah. right? And of uh -huh. course, just having COVID for the last month, right? If if I felt better immediately because Jesus this healed me, right? I'm going to go do what I can do. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and we know in many cultures, like having a meal and hosting a guest is like really oh, important sure. and one of your greatest joys to do. So it's not like, yeah, she's just going to come and make me some a peanut butter jelly sandwich or something like that. She <laughs> fed Jesus and the apostles. Why? What happened? Because it says in that back part of that passage, it says, then sundown came. And everybody came to the door. Why did they have to wait till sundown? Well, that meant the Sabbath was over, right? That's right. That's right. Yep. So she was feeding Jesus, feeding his humanity so that he can have the strength and the power to hmm. go ahead and to cure and to cast out demons and to do his work. And she's credited as being a part of that mission because she got up and cooked him a meal because they believed that he was the true Sabbath. We'd miss that. If we didn't yeah. read the passage, if you, if you just read the, the passage, you got well, Father yeah, Craig, yeah. I feel like you're you're preaching a homily to us. Hey, here. Well, why not? Right? Uh, <laughs> I love it. I mean, I love it. That's part of the it. word too, though. Too, and I, no, so, it and, is. It and is. And some commentators would even go as far as saying um, that it's almost, you know, the the homily is is somewhat quasi um, sacramental in a sense. You mm -hmm. know, it's that mm -hmm. it's it's an opening up of the word of God, right? So it's breaking we, it open. Right? Yeah, yeah. We as ministers of God are are meant to be bridge bearers in a sense. That's We're right. supposed That's to bring right. God to to the people of God and bring the people of God back back to God. Right. And we can do this by opening up not only our lives and our stories, but what we have learned, how God has made a difference in our lives and, and how we've come to know him and then open up those scriptures so that they have meaning. One of my favorite things to do is to preach, right? Because it's creative. Um, sometimes I don't do any artwork because when I'm preparing for a homily, it's, it's taking, it's taking a lot of my creative instincts and, and to look at, mm you know, what is God saying to me? How has God talked to me in these moments? And then what does God want me to uh, give over to the people of God that he's entrusted to my care or who I am preaching to? Uh, it's a very creative aspect of it, but also it's this it's this great joy of, of being able to explain or to bring this personal relationship uh, with God to the people of God. Um, I just really love doing it. Um, yeah. How about you, David? Do you, Father I, David, I, I I love preaching too. Uh, I have to I have to brag for a moment about Father Craig here, uh, because he's always uh, he's always telling you all about uh, about my time in seminary. So uh, Father Craig uh, has a doctorate. Is that right? A doctorate in homiletics? No, no. I have a, a demon. They call it a doctorate of ministry. So it's a it's a pastoral a doctorate, meaning that doctorate. they say that you're you're able to do this while being a pastor, a full time pastor, and you just need a couple hours every week, and you'll be able to do it. Which was a couple, which was a <laughs> complete a lie. Like that for you, right? <laughs> it took over my whole life. Um, but it was good. It was it wasn't necessarily in preaching. It was in leadership. But everything okay. that I geared my all of my assignments had something to do with preaching in it, because I think as a priest and as a pastor, one of the ways in which I connect with my people is through preaching. 
And I think it's a great way in which you can lead the congregation because you're leading through experience through what you have learned. And I think people can relate to that, right? Like, I mean, I can, I can sit there and read a piece of paper for you and I can get all the different aspects and all the different facts down. But I think a lot of people just want to know how has God changed your life? Why are yeah. you happy? Yeah, for sure. Why, why, when you suffer, you still are happy and you still believe in God and what went on with your life and to tell other people like, well, this is what God did for me, I, I think has a great impact. And I think it, it's, Absolutely. it's kind of a form of leading as well. And, and you, you do a great job preaching. I've heard you a couple of times at Divine Child. Um, and, and you're also, uh, you're also teaching homiletics this year to the seminarians. Yeah, so this that, is my uh, first year trying out. Uh, amazing. Pre- oh, yeah, teaching. So, um, yeah, say a couple of prayers for me that uh, it goes well. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. You, you, uh, you, you're, you're a great preacher, and I'm sure you'll be a great uh, teacher as well. So, well, thank you. Good. Thank you. So we got the liturgy of the word, right? So we got, mm-hmm. you know, knowing God. And on top of that, I, I love St. Jerome's, uh, what was his quote? Uh, Knowledge ignorance of, of yeah. scripture is ignorance of Christ. Yeah. Ignorance of scripture is ignorance of it's, Christ uh, because we know God is the word. Jesus is the word. Uh, so the more that we can dive into our Bibles, the better and get different commentaries to help us out as well. So to be more prepared when you go to mass can really open up the scriptures more. Think about yeah. what you yeah. would preach maybe. Yeah, even just just reading reading the scriptures ahead of time, maybe just letting them soaking in them a minute and or, or a few minutes, uh, reading a commentary if it's helpful. It's again, it's just it's a great way to, to internalize it just a little more. So when you come to mass, uh, you're hearing it again. Uh, maybe the maybe the homilist will uh, will illumine some new aspect that you hadn't heard of or confirm something that you'd already maybe thought or answer a question that you had. So we have these two parts of the mass these two main aspects the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the eucharist and they really mirror the ways that the jews would worship um even before the time of christ right they would they would go to the temple right and at the temple what they do they would offer sacrifice and then they also had in each little town there would be a synagogue what did they do in the synagogue they listened to the scriptures being read at that time just the old testament and then the rabbis would kind of explain it expound upon it so the liturgy, the word really uh, mirrors what the Jews would do in the synagogue, right? Diving into the word. And, and the second part that we're going to dive into here in a minute, the liturgy of the Eucharist uh, really mirrors um, the sacrifices of the temple, right? And, and, and for the Jews, the sacrifices were, they were, they were a way of sort of giving worship to God. We talked about worship, Father Craig. They were a way of doing many things, right? Atoning for sins. They were a way of, of, of giving thanks. All these different means of prayer, they tried to express through sacrifices. And then, of course, we know Jesus is that perfect sacrifice on the cross, fulfills all those different types of Old Testament uh, sacrifices. And, and that is continued in the second part of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Eucharist. So, yeah, it's... um. I don't know. I get excited when I talk about this because um, I don't know. It's just it's the heart of our faith, right? The, the Eucharist is the source and summit, and the Eucharist isn't just the true presence of Jesus. It is that, but it's also that sacrifice, right? That that all of the Old Testament was trying and striving yeah. towards to, to kind of bridge this gap between God and man, and couldn't quite do it. Then it happens in Jesus, yeah. and we have access to it. 
when we when we celebrate the mass. Uh, but we're not just called to, uh, I guess you'd say, be passive observers. We're actually called to to like offer ourselves with Jesus, right? and especially because um, one of the one of the next parts after the homily, you know, there's intercessions, the creed of its Sunday, and then there's what's called the offertory, right, which is the offering of the gifts of bread and wine. There's a collection taken up. But that's supposed to be symbolic of us offering our whole lives to the Lord. Yeah. Right? Which we've been missing because of COVID where, you know, mm -hmm. we didn't want people to bring things up. Yes. But it, it's a major part of the Mass because it's the representation yes. of what the pr people bring to God and what we're offering up of ourselves yes. to God. Yes, it's, it's a visible manifestation of, of how we're supposed to be praying at that time, right? Of, of offering yeah. ourselves. And of course, the priests too does that. Um I, I, I always think of, you know, the parable of the multiplication of the loaves here, which obviously has close connections to, to the Eucharist. Uh, but in particular, I think you get this, this element of offering when you look at uh, the disciples, right? They bring five loaves and two fish, and, and there's no way that's going to be enough to, uh, to feed 5,000 people. But they give it to Jesus. It's offered, and Jesus transforms it and makes it enough. And I just think that's such a beautiful image for what we do at Mass. You know, we bring our own littleness, right? We're not, oftentimes we feel very inadequate uh, to whatever the task, the vocation God's calling us to. As priests, you know, this like handing on the gospel, right? And that's not just for priests, but for everyone. We can look out at the world and say, man, you know, I'm, I don't have what it takes. I it feels like I'm trying to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. But we offer with Jesus, right? And he transforms our offering. He makes it enough for whatever he's called us to. Uh, he gives us gives us that grace, that strength uh, in the sacrifice, in the offering of the Eucharist. Yeah, and I believe it's in the Gospel of John where they kind of even fill it out a little bit more. It was a little lad who had mm, five right. loaves and two lad. fishes, yep. right? A little lad, right? And he's like, he came forward with this. And a lot of commentators would say that um, the loaves were like barley loaves, like dinner rolls mm. really small mm -hmm. and probably really hard and the fish were probably like sardines with a lot of oil to make mm -hmm. the bread go down so it wasn't much um but it, that always had a huge impact on me because you know one of the fears that i had about becoming a priest of just mm. i didn't have enough to offer i didn't know what mm -hmm. i could give to the lord and, and would it be good enough and we see how the lord takes what little we have just like you were saying and magnifies mm. it right so if that little lad wasn't there they wouldn't have had any food so mm. if we don't have any young men saying i'll come forward to be a priest there's not yeah. going to be any food and we need that food to yeah. offer what you have. And yeah. it's not, it's not that we have so much to offer that God's like, Oh, you have so much to offer father mm -hmm. David, you have mm -hmm. to become a priest because we need you. No, it's, it's the opposite. You know, no, I will take right. what you have, the gifts that I have given you and I will yes. magnify them, which yes. not only just Amen. goes to that, but it goes to like our personalities, our uniqueness. I mean, if you're good in art and in, you know, theater and different things like that, the Lord will use that in your priesthood. If you're yes. good with math yeah. and technology, yes. the Lord right. will use that. It's funny how, like, I look at the different guys that I was in seminary with and, and different things that sort of kind of define them, different you know, personalities, different personalities. Strengths. Yeah. Like, you know, my one friend, of course, who was into like computers and IT type stuff, right? It's, mm -hmm. His parish has like, like every door has like its own automatic lock with a key fob and everything <laughs> like that. And, like, there you go. You know, yeah. I was more concerned about decorating the church and how yeah. it going to look, what <laughs> sure, kind of statues sure. I can get. So the Lord uses us and our he gifts does. and magnifies it. So, yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a, I, I mean, 
for me, that kind of like just meditating on that truth was was so important in discernment because because I think every guy at some point in discernment goes through um, like just just a time of saying like, who am I to do this? You know, I'm not worthy, you know, and, and that's actually true. But yeah. the, the Lord doesn't call those who are qualified. It's one way I heard it said. It. He, he qualifies those who are called, right? He, it's just another way of saying what we've just been talking about. Yeah, it's beautiful. Good. So, so liturgy of word, liturgy of the Eucharist is the offertory. Um, maybe just speeding this up a little. Um, then the Eucharistic prayer, uh, which comes after the Sanctus, right? This, um, this beautiful hymn when we unite our voices to those of the angels. And, uh, and then we go into the Eucharistic prayer, which is, is really, I mean, I would, I would challenge our listeners, next time you go to Mass, listen to the Eucharistic prayer and, and just listen to the language. First of all, uh, ask yourself, who is this directed towards? Because it's not directed towards Jesus. Uh, and really, as the priest, you know, we're not talking to the people either. We're not even talking to Jesus. We're talking to God the Father. Yeah. And we're offering Jesus to the Father. We're offering ourselves and all the people in the church along with Jesus to the Father, right? It's a sacrifice of praise, that pleasing offering uh, of ourselves, our life, our gifts uh, to the Lord. Um, and then, of course, the, the high point of that is the, is the consecration when, when Jesus becomes truly present. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm a year and a half in, but still, every, every so often, it just hits me when, when I, when I uh, am lifting up uh, the host. is like, this is Jesus, you know, like, like I, I'm, uh, you've got that painting in your office of, of Thomas kind of touching, uh, the side of Jesus. It's like, I'm doing that yeah. as I'm holding up Jesus. And it's just, it's like, this is Jesus. It's not, it's not a, right. It's not a symbol, right. It's not a, it's not a represent. It's not merely a re representation. It's the reality. Yeah. Body I don't know. I don't know if that ever divinity. goes away. Does it, does it father Craig? Do you ever I think sometimes, you know, I, I've heard it said in a number of different ways, where, you know, mm -hmm. the mass should never become rote to you. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I know some people that like, well, I don't want to memorize that because then it will just kind of, you know, flow off my tongue and I won't be paying attention or something. But mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. there is a beauty of being so familiar with the mass that you're like yeah. almost one with it. Like, it, yeah. I like the idea of it being so internal to myself that it, it is who I am in some aspect mm. and I always think about different things and maybe sometimes I'm a little bit defeatist or whatever or think a <laughs> half glass uh, empty <laughs> more yeah, than anything yeah. like you know <laughs> what if I was in a concentration camp what if I was put away mm. could I say mm. the mass by heart if someone smuggled me in a little bit of bread and a little yeah. bit of wine. And well, I think it's of, happened, right? It's yeah, happened. right. You, yeah. you hear about uh, priests who have done this. There's a couple really great books. I think uh, Walter Sizek's uh, book, yeah, uh, He, yeah. he Leadeth Me, yeah. Yeah, while he's in the concentration with camp. With God in Russia, both of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he they say mass by memory, you know. And there's a couple other. Um, Priest Block is another book. Again, priests in a hmm. concentration camp praying mass and where he would pray mass and then everybody would have a chance to hold the body of Christ and pass it around. It was such a great uh, hope for them that they could see that life is still worth living and everything. I just, it's yeah. amazing. So for me, I'm like, I want, I want the mass to be so embedded in me that I can mm -hmm. say it 
by heart without having to look at the book. And I got, I got a lot of it down. I don't have it all down, but I got a lot sure, of it down. Sure, sure. Yeah. I think, I think that's beautiful though. Yeah. I think that's really, really beautiful that it kind of like the word becomes a party, the mass just becomes a part of who you are as a priest. Yeah. Yeah. But you've, you've, we all seen that prayer too, though. Like, you know, priest of God say this mm-hmm. mass as if it's your first mass, if it's your only mass, if it's your last mass. And mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing too, as well to like, I remember our, my first mass and how, I mean, you're just thinking about it so much and you don't want to make any mistakes and different things like that. <laughs> um, oh, yes. I, I don't know if there's too much reverence at the first mass because you're just so worried about what do you got to do next? <laughs> <laughs> Am I holding my hands right? You know, yeah. I'm supposed to have my hands open at this point or folded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I didn't like my first masses for the first couple of months because no. it, it almost seemed like it was more about me. Oh, Father, this is going to be your first Christmas mass. So, yeah, Father, yeah, we're going to yeah, come yeah, to your yeah. Thanksgiving mass. And it was like, I just don't want it to be about me. Can we just focus on the mass? And, you know, it just it was a little bit nerve wracking to me. Um, but one thing, again, thinking visually is if if you're looking at the Roman Missal, the instruction manual right of how to how to say the mass you got do what it says in red and then say what it has in black right and when you get to the consecration the font is double the size in all in all caps and visually right there just every time i'm looking at it um this is important it jumps out at you like don't say these words clear say these words loud say the right words it's important yeah yeah that's, that's, um, and there's that's true. And another thing, and I don't know how you feel about this when we say it, it's not like we, we say, take this, all of you, and eat it. This is Jesus's body. We don't say that. We say, this is no. my body. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and, and in confession, when I say, I absolve you from your sins, those are the two mm-hmm. most vivid moments as a priest that i know that i'm a priest of god that i'm acting in the person of christ right like yeah i'm not yes. saying and jesus forgives you i'm saying i absolve you this is my body and and if you notice in the mass during the words of consecration it says bow slightly right yeah and i always right. looked at and i used to always step back a little bit because if you want to see the book you have to step back a little bit and i always feel it as if i'm like i'm bowing and stepping out of myself and it's god who's speaking right now it's always been very powerful to me i don't know do you feel that at times when when you're praying those prayers i don't don't know if i've ever felt it in quite that way i think for for me like the moment of consecration you're bowing that you're saying this as jesus what, what always hits me is like because all this prayer up until this point has been just directed to the father right and now it's like at that moment more than ever it's like it's like i don't know i just i just feel his like his presence around me like like yeah in persona christi is real right it's like it's like i'm doing this as jesus and you kind of get a little trembling you're like who am i to do this you know what what am i to do this it's it's uh yeah but but i think i do i feel like the presence of the father like almost the way the way jesus would have throughout his whole life and uh yeah I don't, I don't know that's just that's just struck me lately so but it's 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 an honor it's an awesome privilege uh, to say mass and uh and make jesus present the same way he was two thousand years ago 
And I was I was telling uh, some of the kids in the school that as they were getting ready to to go to a little adoration visits, right? And it's one of the things I love about Divine Child is the kids go to adoration visits. Uh, I think almost every week, most of them, and awesome. uh, and just like the idea, like if you're sitting in adoration and you close your eyes, it's the same presence that the disciples would have been in if they had you know, been sitting around the table at the Last Supper and closed their eyes, right? Or, or anytime they were with Jesus teaching, you know, it's just like that real, you know? And so it's like you close your eyes in prayer before the Eucharist. It's, it's the same. It's the same as the apostles, right? It's that kind of access to God that we have in the Eucharist. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and somehow as priests, like the Lord's called us to, to be agents of that presence coming into the world. It's, yeah, yeah it's crazy. It's yeah. mind blowing. Right? Yeah, and it makes you love the mass all the more, and love the sacraments all the more. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. if you're thinking about the priesthood, I mean, this is something that you get to do and will do every single day, yeah. right? Like, I don't have a parish right now. Like, some days I'm not visiting a parish. I'm still saying mass every single day, and um, yeah. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's my time uh, to be with the Lord, and I know I'm not alone, even when I say. You yes. know, quote unquote private masses because no mass is a private mass. There's That's only right. one, you know, mass being said, and we're entering into that every time mass right. is being prayed all over the world. We're entering into the one mass that's being celebrated in heaven. Yes, um, that that's uh, that is so true. And Father Craig, that actually brings up uh, kind of the the next thing I was hoping to touch on today, and that is this idea of like. When you celebrate Mass, when you participate in Mass, you are joined to the entire body of Christ, right? The mystical body, his church. I find this, this is incredibly comforting, I think, for people who have lost a loved one, to realize that they're united to Jesus when they receive the Eucharist. They're also united to everyone else who's united to him, not just on earth, but in heaven as well, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about the body of Christ, it's, it's, it's the, the faithful on earth, uh, those in purgatory, and those in heaven, right? Yeah. And church somehow triumphant. we're all, yeah, exactly. Church militant, church suffering, church triumphant. And, and like, we're all united in Christ's body. And the way we're united to that on earth more than any other time is, is in the Eucharist, right? Yeah. Um, Why we call and, it communion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are yeah. in communion. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's right. Um, and, and you talked about that one mass that's being celebrated in heaven. Um Scott Hahn, he's got this book called The Lamb's Supper, mm -hmm. and, and he talks about how as a Protestant, he never quite understood the book of Revelation until he started going to Catholic Mass, and he just started listening to the words and the, the biblical imagery used at Mass, and he was like, I'm in the book of Revelation, hmm. you know, and, and what is the book of Revelation? It's this, it's this triumphant liturgy in heaven, right? There's there's a great throne, the throne of God, and, and then in front of the throne is this, this lamb, right? And they talk about the lamb that was that was slain, right, for us. And then around him are all these uh, white-robed elders, angel, the angels and saints are surrounding him, just giving him praise and worship. And, and that's what we do in the Mass. Especially washed in, like, the, washed in the blood of the lamb. Washed in the blood of the lamb, exactly. And, and even like the words that we say so often are the words of the angels and saints, like you wonder where the holy, holy, holy comes from. That's a refrain we hear in the book of Revelation on these, uh, the lips of the, the angels and saints there. It's, it's also um, earlier on in, in, a, in a vision that Isaiah has, right? And uh, so it's like we're, 
heaven meets earth at the mass and we're surrounded by the angels when i was little um I, someone told me this uh, they said the reason they build church ceilings so high is so there's room for all the angels and saints hmm. you know uh, obviously they don't take up space like that but it's it's a cool thought of just the reality of like you know, we're surrounded by the angels. Like you said, it could be a private mass that you celebrate. Um, you're the only one there, but you're not the only one there, right? Because you're yeah. united to the heavenly liturgy. And yeah. it's just, it's a beautiful, profound reality. Yeah, I uh, I said another mass by myself once when I was where St. John Vianney was, on his altar where mm. his body was. It was New wow. Year's, no one was there. I was the only one, and there was one guy way way in the back i think he was the sacristan i'm not sure but when i went to turn around to give him communion because he was the only one there he was gone and i thought mm. maybe that was an angel there someone yeah. present praying mass with me because there was absolutely no one else there wow. you know so it was just really beautiful to know um yeah this imagery that the church uses is so profound and again knowing the word of god to understand that all of this has meaning and, and not only just knowing the word of God, but knowing the tradition of the church as well and where it came from, knowing the Jewish culture and, and what their meanings of different things meant. You know, like, uh, you know, if you look at the Didache, which was written in, was it 70 or 90 AD? Hey, do you remember? I don't remember. The teaching of the 12. I mean, yeah. it's the teaching of the 12. I think it was 70 AD, but it's it's the structure of the mass. That mm -hmm. 70 mm -hmm. years after Christ, you know, it they already had the structure of the mass. It hasn't changed very much. It talks yeah. about reading the readings and yeah. opening the word and having the meal. It's 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 yeah. pretty amazing how close we have stuck to to the structure of what mass looks like today, yeah. way back then. It's true. My it's favorite true. thing, my favorite image is is the lamb, because we have Ooh. these words all the time that we use through mass right lamb of god you take away mm -hmm. the sins of the world behold the lamb of god you know mm -hmm. blessed mm -hmm. are those called to the supper of the lamb where does the lamb come from you know in revelations of course i remember mm -hmm. i had this picture of of on my desk of mary and mary is holding the baby jesus and baby jesus is holding a lamb yeah, that's the one he's showing it right there <laughs> it's my uh it's the background of my uh my phone yeah well i had someone look at me and goes i just don't understand why jesus is holding a lamb I go, you don't know why jesus is holding the lamb let, let me tell you a little bit about the lamb i mean it's got so much imagery and we just we go through the old testament to understand what the lamb was about right so we talk about the passover the first Passover, what is the first Passover? It was when the angel of death passed over the houses that had the blood of the lamb on the lintels of the door so that the firstborns would not die, right? And that's when Pharaoh, his firstborn passed and he drove the, uh, the Israelites out of, of, uh, out of Egypt. Well, just hearken to the fact that when we drink the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the lintels mm -hmm. of our mouth, the doors of our mouth, so that the destroying angel passes over us. It's always a beautiful thing. You know, our lips stained red blood of, of the lamb mm -hmm. um, who takes away the sins of the world. Now, what is this about the lamb taking away the sins of the world? So, of course, you have the remembrance of the Passover that they celebrate every year, you know, and so you have... Um, 
this forgiving forgiving of uh, sins that uh, that they would have. And so the high priest every year, once a year on the day of atonement would go into the Holy of Holies, right? The Holy of Holies was mm-hmm. where the mercy seat is, where they believe God was. And it's where God dwelt. Yep. And only the high priest could go in and mm-hmm. they would tie a rope around his foot. <laughs> That's right. Because if he died, if he saw something he wasn't supposed to see, yeah. or if he was unworthy, just overcome by the presence of God. Exactly. They would have to pull him out some way. So he would only <laughs> go in once and he would go in with the blood of the lamb and he would yes. sprinkle the mercy seat, and then he would go out and sprinkle the people, and that was the forgiveness of their sins, that the blood of the lamb would take away the mm. sins of the people for that one right. year, right? right? Well, Jesus is that new lamb Yes, that blood takes away the sins forever, right? Yes. And so when Jesus yes. Christ died on the cross, they say the temple veil torn in two. What was the temple veil? It yeah. was going into the Holy of Holies, that Jesus Christ is not only the high priest, but also the true lamb, the sacrifice that goes into the presence of God. And through his sacrifice, offering that sacrifice as high priest is the forgiveness of all of our sins, which of course brings us into right relationship with God. And it's just so beautiful to look at Jesus as the lamb in that regard. And you can go over so many different things, right? So like when Jesus was dying on the cross, they think it's the same time as when the temple priests were slaughtering the lambs for the Passover. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So true lamb is being slain so, now for the Passover, right? Yes. And they would have, um, uh, the high priest would put his hands on, on the lamb and would confess all of the people's sins or on a goat. They can mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. as well. And then they would send that lamb out or that goat yeah. out. And bearing the, the sins desert. away. Bearing yep. the sins away to what they said was a demon in the desert called Azazel, right? Hence <laughs> where we get the word scapegoat. We need a scapegoat, yes. right? Yep. So That's right. you got this beautiful imagery. And then it, it just because we just went through Christmas as well, think about it. So we hear that the shepherds came Mm-hmm. see Jesus because they the angels announced them they believed that the shepherds were taking care of the temple lambs the oh. lambs that w- were going to be the ones that were going to be slaughtered for, for the Passover. Passover and it was the angels saying come and look at the true lamb who is going to take away the sins for everyone for eternity it's 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 so and there's so much more we could talk about. It's, but just... it's so rich, right? It's so rich. Uh, and, and diving into just the scriptural imagery that's behind the mass is is so profound, you know? And, and you just, I, I, and, and then you realize, like, this is stuff that was happening, like, hundreds of years before Jesus. This was stuff that was written down, the Old Testament scriptures, long before Jesus. And, and you just see that such clear fulfillment, such clear connections. It's It's... It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. One, uh, one, one thing on this. When I was, um, when I was little, I always had this question in my mind of why couldn't Jesus have just stayed on Earth? You know, like after he died, rose. He was walking around with his disciples for a time. Why couldn't he have just like stayed here with us? And especially like end of Matthew's gospel, he's like, "I will be with you always to the end of time." And then the next thing he does is he leaves. Right? And I'm like, why? What? What's going on here? Um, I wasn't until I was in seminary that I found a reason of like, why did Jesus have to ascend? It was what you were talking about, about the high priest bringing the blood into the sanctuary, 
Like Jesus had to bring the offering of himself into the heavenly sanctuary, right? And, and like the, the, the sacrifice isn't complete until it's given over to God. And, and, and that, um, I guess- and We the, left out one thing too, is because yeah. in the Old Testament, when you offered up certain sacrifices, the completion of that sacrifice was more likely that you eat that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oftentimes, uh, certainly with like the, the peace offering, right. That, uh, that you would be included in the meal there, right. Well, that, the Passover that, meal, right. They yeah. eat the lamb. Yep. I mean, yep. that's the image right there, you know, so we're completing right. the sacrifice by taking part in Christ and eating his body yeah. and his blood. It's wonderful stuff. It's good stuff. It's, it's, yeah. It could go on forever. But you, uh, you you want me to ruin Christmas cards for you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, Let's just, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I just throw, find throw it, it out there. I know it's an artistic rendering and everything like uh -huh. that, but like it was the shepherds that came to Jesus in Bethlehem, right? Yeah. The wise men took two years to get there. So, mm. you know, we always see these like images of the wise men coming to Jesus. Like right on the other lamb. side than the shepherds, yeah, exactly. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That didn't happen for a couple more years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, should we, should we ruin Christmas cards a little, a little further? Father yeah, 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 let's do it. Uh, um, so I was reading and it, it's very unlikely that the wise men were actually kings. They were more likely like wise advisors to kings in Persia. Hmm. And yeah, they would yeah, have been yeah. like the, the experts, right, in, in like all of the sciences at the time, including astronomy, astrology. Um, so, so they probably didn't actually wear crowns. Sort of like the counterpoint to the Pharisees, right? Yeah, something yeah. like that. You know, they they were they were supposed to be the the experts, like seeking wisdom and, and truth and all that, and available to the the rulers if they needed to like confer or get advice or counsel. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said. I still love Christmas cards with the Magi. We Three Kings, even though they probably weren't kings, is one of my favorite yeah, uh, Christmas my favorite songs. Too. You know, it's just it's it's a good good hymn. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones. Good. Yeah. Well, so, Father I, Craig, this has been uh, this has been a fun fun episode to record. I I get uh, fired up when we get to talk about uh, about the mass. Do you do you have any any other wisdom you want to share on on this or or on the wise men? uh leave uh leave our leave our listeners with i i think the purpose of why we did this i mean this is not a podcast just about the mass i mean mm -hmm. we're not talking about the mass every episode hopefully we're talking to to men who are considering a call to the priesthood yeah and if you're listening because you think you might have a call to the priesthood we're trying to talk about something that is so important to what a priest does every mm -hmm. single day and if you have this mm -hmm. attraction to the mass, uh, that could be a really great sign that you are called to the priesthood. I know for me, um, I always thought the mass was kind of boring, actually. And then I started <laughs> yeah. later and later in year. I don't think it was until like 23 or 24 that I started to be an altar server. And yeah. it was then that I started to have this new meaning of what the mass was. And it wasn't I wasn't bored anymore. And it wasn't because I was doing something. It was almost as if I felt okay, now I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was like a foretaste of what I would be doing, hopefully as a priest. And it, and it made sense to me. It just kind of fit. It's like, yeah, this is, this is the mass. This is, this is what I'm called to do. And I, I don't know, I, I share that yeah. with, with the listeners. Um, 
because you might be an altar server, you might have been an altar server. Mm -hmm. um, statistics show that I, I think it was a couple of years ago when they did a, a research, I think 77% of all priests that were ordained in, I think, 2017 were were altar servers. I mean, well, that's a, yeah, that's a deal, right? I think yeah, it is. Can, it is. Yeah, we can learn something by serving at the mass because we're we're not only closer to the Lord, but we're closer to the priest and seeing what the priest does and how yeah. things work. And if that's something you're called to do, well, then that should get you fired up. That should get you wanting to do it. It's like someone who's a gearhead, right? And they they see an engine <laughs> in the garage and they're like, oh, it's got a 350 or it's a 420 yeah. or what? I don't know much about engines. Yeah. <laughs> it's got some nitrous to it or whatever. And you get fired up, right? Like, so yeah. here I am serving mass for the first time you know 23 24 and like you get all these cool instruments and things and you're like oh the chalice is gold and oh i want to be the thurifer and oh there's yeah. this thing to do <laughs> yeah and it, it's very bell. cool and it's just like it's it was like cool. a gearhead for guys who were called to be a priest right like mm. you get to dress up and you know wear a cassock and a surplus and yeah and, um, it just and, and fired me for, for me too like serving mass it was probably I remember just one time as an altar server, just watching the priests because you get a good a good view and just being like, I could do that, you know, and I kind of want to do that. You know, there's something awesome going on here. So, yeah, I think uh, the mass is, is important for discernment, right? Getting getting involved, altar serving if you can. And uh, I mean, it can never hurt to just add in a few extra masses, uh, daily masses to your, your weekly routine, um, getting close to Jesus in the Eucharist, in the sacrifice. Uh, he will, he will never regret, uh, time spent, uh, doing that. Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever God calls you to, you know, yes. go to AOD.org. It has a mass finder. That's right. It also That's has right. an adoration finder as well. And it also has a confession finder as well. Mm -hmm. So That's staying true. close to the sacraments and, yeah, if you are, uh, you know, someone again thinking about the priesthood, go to mass more often than just Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if uh, if you're someone like me who likes to to dive in by reading, uh, the Lamb's Supper by Scott Hahn is an excellent walkthrough of kind of like the scriptural biblical roots of the mass, as well as just kind of a little sharing of uh, Scott Hahn's personal journey of of really discovering the riches of of the mass. Yeah, and. I don't know. Most guys have a smartphone these days. Download a Bible. You know, there's a lot of Bible apps. And many are only nine minutes, and a lot of them are free. Get yourself a Bible. Carry that around in the palm Amen. of your hand all the time um, because it's there. You know? Amen. 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 Well, Father Craig, would you uh, like to lead us out with prayer? Sure. All right. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for today, and we thank you for the gift of our lives, and we thank you for the gift of your life that you give to us, communicate to us, especially when we celebrate it in the most holy sacrifice of the Mass that you offer yourself to us, that that is the image of love, that as we look upon you in the crucifix and know what you did for us, and we look upon you, upon the Eucharist, uh, that you communicate your very life to us, help us to enter into that mystery more and more deeply every time uh, we celebrate Mass. Help men who are listening to this podcast who truly do have a vocation to the priest to be open to this great mystery for their lives. Take away any fear that might be surrounding them. Take away any doubts. 
inflame them with your love and with your peace and with your joy. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Father David. This was a great conversation about the Mass. Yes. Likewise. Thank you, Father Craig. This was, uh, yeah, it was, gets me fired up. Amen to that. All right. Well, we'll see you all next uh, month on our next episode. You want to lead us out? That's right. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father David Pelican. And Father Craig Guerra. Each month, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Sit, ubu, sit. Good dog.